Hi, and welcome to the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. I'm your conductor, Barry Stone. Port Swing Orchestra is an art project that pairs music recorded outside with images made on site, performed and recorded at home and away, solo, and with others. Our orchestra is comprised of birds, guitars, artists, poets, and passing cars that spontaneously create ephemeral, symphonic, chance-inspired compositions. The original site and hub for all things PSO can be found at portswingorchestra.org. This episode is the first of a mini-series of pods highlighting artists who are presenting in the vast is the sea, a series of live events exploring the interconnections between images and sound curated by PSO and hosted by Colab Projects in Austin, Texas. The series will take place over four Saturdays and feature two presentations per evening. They'll happen on January 20th, the 27th, February 17th, and 24th. All presentations are maximally 45 minutes long, and there'll be about a 15 to 20 minute intermission between presentations. So each presentation is ticketed separately, except for the opening night, which is one combined ticket. You can purchase tickets on a sliding scale, and they start at $5 at collabprojects.org. That's C-O hyphen labprojects, one word, dot org. This is a great way to show your support for PSO. The opening event features San Antonio artists Anthony Francis and Xavier Gilmore beginning at 8 8 p.m. That will be followed by yours truly and Paul Stottinger. And we will reprise our suite of music we performed in the Terrell Sky Space accompanied by a brand new video. Colab is a legendary nonprofit art space whose current configuration is a 40 by 10 by 10 foot concrete culvert sitting in an open plot of land just east of the city. The culvert will be a wash in projections and serious sounds on either either end of the ceiling. The floor will be covered in a sea of moving blankets. Viewers and listeners are invited to lay next to the performers who will occupy the center to become a raft in the ocean of sounds gazing at a visionary sky. In this pod, we will first hear my conversation with Anthony Francis, where we will cover everything from the poetry of Langston Hughes and Gwendolyn Brooks, the theory of Fred Moten, Stefano Harvey, Bell Hooks, Frank Wilderson. We'll talk about family, community, stillness, how to make work, how to connect, what community means. Our conversation will be followed by an exerted audio from his piece, All Is, which will be part of the presentation that he and Gilmore will be collaborating on. Following that piece, we'll hear one by Gilmore which was originally shown as part of a sculpture show called Wild Ruins, Wild Orientations in a pop-up sculpture park in Atkins, Texas. The piece is a sound element that accompanies an architectural sculpture called Between the Lines, for which, for Gilmore, it speaks to gathering community and privileged space. If you want to see pictures or stills of these, you can check out the Substack podcast page, I suppose, for these things. Um, there. There will also be links in the show notes for their websites. So here's my conversation with Anthony Francis. Welcome to the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. Today I have Anthony Francis um, in the studio. I guess this is a studio uh, to talk about um, his collaboration with Xavier Gilmore as a part of Vast of the Sea, a series of events, live events curated by Port Suite Orchestra that'll take place at Colab Projects 
in Austin, Texas. There will be information on how you get tickets to all these things. Um, uh, the events take place over four Saturdays, two in January and two in February. And the first one is January 20th. And the first performance will be Anthony Xavier's at 8 p.m. Each event is ticketed separately on a sliding scale. You can get those tickets at collabprojects.org. That is co-projects.org. Collab is a special nonprofit whose current uh, configuration is a culvert, a 40-foot by 10-foot by 10-foot culvert uh, made out of concrete situated on about an acre of land in East Austin, which we will animate by having uh, two projections on the ceiling on either end and performers occupying the middle space with speakers on either side of the performer to create a kind of stereo field on each end. Uh, there'll be moving blankets on the floor uh, to sort of encourage you to lay down and look at the, uh, the projection. Um, there's will be a bonfire and all that kind of business, not in the space, um, but outside at a safe distance. Um, so anyway, that's kind of sets the stage uh, for what we're doing. But what I um, first, I want to introduce Anthony Francis. I am lucky to call a friend uh, and a colleague. Uh, he teaches um, at Texas State in the photo department uh, with me. Uh, we have extended conversations over the years, um, and I've learned so much from those dialogues. Um, I value our relationship so much. And I'm so excited to have him come with Xavier and show some work um, of which we've been in dialogue for a long time and is rich. And I think it's going to be such a great way to kick off this event series. So Anthony is a, a multi-talented character. So started uh, his career looking at poetry and uh, has a master's in education and then also uh, an MFA in photography. So words, reading, theory, images, community, all these things uh, inform Anthony's practice. And I'm happy to introduce him to the podcast. Welcome, Anthony Francis. Hey, Barry. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, excited to be here. Excited to be working on this project, um, this performance with with you, uh, with Xavier, um, and and collab as well. So um, so yeah, it's awesome to be here. Yeah, cheers. I should say uh, just as con for some context, we are doing this pretty early uh, while everyone is mostly asleep, although my wife is awake um, on MLK Day. So uh, shout out to uh, our to MLK and all that kind of business. I don't know, I don't know how do you celebrate these things anymore? Yeah, uh, everything's um, so complicated. Um, but it means we're at home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like 18 degrees, which is not uh, yeah. usual. Although it'll be a little warmer when we get together on Saturday, thank God. Um, but not much. Uh, so <laughs> 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 but anyway, what the way I first want to do is just, you know, Anthony, tell me about a little bit about your journey, you know, uh, because you're so uniquely situated thinking coming from that world of poetry into photography. And tell us about a little bit about that kind of your trajectory and what you're thinking about and how that might animate what we'll see on Saturday. Yeah. 
I think, you know, I was thinking about this beforehand and I, I continue to think about, you know, these kind of in some ways it's like these silly theoretical questions um, that luckily really don't come to the forefront anymore. Like questions about like, well, what is art, you know, for instance. Mm. And, um, but I was thinking about in some ways the thing that we do think about uh, and do consider as artists is, um, you know, what is our art practice and what's the art process. And so for me, I think maybe the process hasn't changed much. Um, I still think about, you know, I think about the importance of place. I think that is was the first thing that kind of hit me in um, or attracted me to literature. You know, I always stuck up the thought about that, like place. And now I think about you know, how place, in some ways, the politics of space, you know, how is space created, um, whether it be a mental space or um, a physical space. So I, I continually think about those things. And so poetry was a way of me, um, it's very innate for me in, in some ways, um, not not literally, but it, but it felt that way because, especially in hindsight, because I started writing poetry in the seventh grade and thinking about you know um the poems of like langston hughes and gwendolyn brooks i think that those are the things that always kind of came to my mind um that those voices which i think is really important and that persists in in the work and you'll see that um in the performances um of these these films and the work that xavier's bringing to it and so so i think that I've always thought about the poetics, so to speak, of work. Although, you know, a lot of my work, a lot of even my my experience is shaped by by theory and writing about theory. I think that my work, the process of my work comes from being able to express my relationship with my own experiences but also with this theory um i'm really <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm really um adamantly in some ways which i think is a dangerous word but like i am really passionate about like how we look at works especially photography as facts you know and so i always am interested in the poetics of these seemingly documentary or factual ideas and so everything that i give right everything that i project or transmit is i think a, a poetics it's a it's my way of expressing um a type of process with the theory right but i don't want to give this kind of like unadulterated <laughs> theory uh, theory right i don't want to I don't want to project that onto a person when you receive something from the work that I make. It is um, it's how I process these ideas. And I think that in in a way that that is um, that's the art process that I engage in. Well, there's there's a ton there. You know, I, I think about young Anthony Francis in seventh grade uh, putting pen to paper now, were you doing that? Were you encouraged in, in class to do that? Or were you doing that on your own? You know, were you, did you read Langston Hughes? And then, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I think obviously I'm raising a 13 year old right now. So seventh grade is kind of coming back to, to bite me in some ways. Um, 
you know, in a lot of different ways, um, raising a daughter, you know, um, and thinking about who I was in, in, um, at 13, you know? And so for me, I think I had, we had moved a lot, you know, um, just because of the financial instability and, um, and the look for, you know, my mother's search for work. And I found myself kind of, you know, I think at 13 from watching my kids, I was a lot like that, you know, the door trying to shut the door to my room constantly and spending time by myself, either because I was compelled to do so or I felt the need to do so in some ways, like, you know, um, wanting to be by myself. And I think that it was just a natural progression of that experience of of thinking and processing the world. But, you know, I really don't know. And and in some ways, I don't even know if like reading poetry came after <laughs> writing it, you know, um, mm. I can't remember that at this point. Um, but I think even when I think about you know, things that I've read, I'm always thinking about voice, like, you know, and in some ways it's imagined voices. You know, I think about like Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man, and um, and I think about Gwendolyn Brooks, who, you know, of course I've heard those voices. I've heard recordings of like Langston Hughes read his work, mm. but at the same time, in some ways I almost hear myself reading them, you know, in some ways more than anything else. And so it becomes the rhythm of that, you know, which becomes also, which is also important in my work, you know, just, you know, uh, melody and poetry and, um, and even the visuals, like in, in terms of like metacognitive thought, there's visions, there are visions that come with that. And so I, I don't know that I've ever had poetry without, without sight, you know, so mm. in some ways, photography is is a is in in some ways related to that experience you know because i've always seen things especially with those kind of um black psychological novels of like richard wright and ralph ellison i'm thinking about how those places looked you know um and of course that's the great thing about reading you know especially fiction and novels is um is being able to envision those things for yourself yeah, but, you know, I think I've been thinking a lot about that sort of the, the idea of sort of like, you know, representation and then sort of the contemplation of those representations and how sort of, um, you know, what what aspect sort of time and imagination plays in. So, as you know, I was just at a, an art talk at uh, Laura Reynolds Gallery and Aaron Sheriff, who's a sculptor, you know, um, also does these photographs of sculpture. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of, you know, her career is sort of, you know, a lot of people think she's a photographer, kind of a postmodern sort of photographer, you know, and she sort of, you know, bristles at that a little bit. You know, she has an MFA in sculpture and thinks about sculpture, didn't really think about photo and kind of gets annoyed, I think, with photographers in some ways and in a, in a sort of gentle, sort of funny yeah. way. She's a lovely person. But just thinking about like when you approach a sculpture, it's all filled in for you in some ways, you know, depending mm -hmm. on the scale, right? Which is why Tony Smith might be interesting because it's sort of between a monument and object or something like that. And you have to sort of square, but that's pretty, pretty heavy, you know, insider baseball sculpture. But mm -hmm. with a, with a photo, like when you're looking at a person or an object, you, the, the viewer has to bring a lot yeah. to that. If you, uh, move beyond the premise that this is a fact 
like as you said before, or that fact, of course, is partial, which is all knowledge is partial. So then you have to bring your own experience to bear uh, to interpret this image. And it creates, especially in a still image, um, a contemplative space that I think is where poetics happen, right? This is the same kind of maybe uh, sort of visionary or imagery sort of that is produced in your engagement with literature or or poetry or what have you, but it's that kind of, you know, shutting the door into your bedroom kind of world-making exercise that I think is so fascinating, right? Um, it's so insular, but it's also an attempt to connect um, to a greater world through these texts and then eventually through sharing it in the community um, by, you know, publishing or 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 having a show or what have you. I want to talk about a little bit, um, so this is fascinating, um, how, you know, your work in photography uh, deals, I think, primarily, I mean, you do other things and have explored other things, portraiture, right? Um, and thinking about um, that complicated relationship between uh, the person that's, photographing and the photographer and what's being sort of transmitted there. So I wonder if you could talk about, you know, some of your projects, you know, that are ongoing, like All We Be, also these studio practice, you know, photographing in the studio and and what, what kind of agency and collaboration is going there. And I know you have a lot of thoughts on that kind of yeah. Uh, process. Yeah. Um you know, to kind of speak with the present moment, um, I think what I've arrived at is this this understanding that, like, in some ways, you know, I talk about portraiture, but increasingly I'm thinking about, I, I kind of communicate it as, um, express it as a, a conversation about, or the politics of the body in some ways, um, but like, but in a very general sense. Um, but, um, and in some ways, like, you know, the issue with the portrait is I'm also thinking about, you know, what a, what a portrait isn't or what it can't do um, more expressively. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've always been interested in, in portraiture, like even, you know, in a non-critical way, like, you know, I just gravitate to like seeing somebody, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, I wanted to make those and increasingly, you know, there is the representation situation, you know, that I think about a lot of times. But, you know, when you really look at politics in some ways, like representation is also in and of itself is is a very empty thing. And so I I don't necessarily use those terms, you know, just because you can have something that looks the thing. There's this performativity of certain things. And we see that a lot within um, like multiculturalism, which I'm heavily, heavily critical of in some ways, um, because it doesn't it doesn't up in the power structure. Mm -hmm. But in my within my practice now, say, for instance, with All We Be, which has been going on for a few years, the reason that I got into that is because I was interested in what a portrait wasn't. Right. A portrait as a description. And again, kind of going back to the literary ideas, I was thinking about how the description that is projected from a portrait has a certain authority to it. Um, and so I was interested in the um, in the ability to 
to not have a straightforward description of somebody again, you know? Um, and so now I'm thinking, well, hey, with that work, how, if we introduce ambiguity, does that you know, also introduce autonomy, right? So if if a gesture is not straightforward, then that small space that is created through not necessarily being a factual or a descriptive image of someone, then how does their performance affect the reading of that? And how is that not a portrait? You know, whereas a lot of people would say the presence of a body or a full person seemingly, then that's a portrait. Um, and so I think it, in some ways, I, the more I get into that work, the more subtle I think it is. Uh, as it's a subtle read by the viewer. And in some ways, it's not, I don't know, it's not that monumental to people. I think because we don't spend time asking ourselves, well, what's happening here, right? Like sometimes we just worry about the aesthetics um, yeah. rather than what's happening. You know, if mm -hmm. we ask what's happening, what is this performance? What am I supposed to see? Then I think things become more complicated. And um, and sometimes I get on myself for my subtlety and work. And so, um, so, yeah, so that's been in the studio for a while. And in some ways, filmmaking allowed me to kind of get out of the studio again after these years, because there's some narratives and some expressive things that I'm trying to do in the latter parts of All We Be, um, which I think in some ways is kind of winding down. But I haven't finished the thing that I set out to do in some ways or probably right right in the middle of that work where I was like, OK, now there's a progression. And so. You know, I mean, as artists, we're always working in nonlinear time. So, um, mm. you know, so I'm in, a, in 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 a place where I'm in the past and even the current work that I'm making, I'll be past it by the time I'm finished making, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, and so um, it's just a matter of how quickly we can make in some ways, too, um, which for me is not that quick. So, mm -hmm. you know. well, uh, first of all, I want I want you to be kind to yourself and forgive yourself for being subtle. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself. Honestly, I feel like sometimes I'm just building things up over time and sometimes it's um, it's a slow process for sure. Well, I tell you, I mean, I think we're all I mean, I think every artist is in that, you know, also like. To us, you know, when we're building something, it's just so glaringly obvious what's going on. And then you, mm -hmm. then you present it to somebody and they're like, uh, I, I, I like the sunset here. And it's like, sunset? What are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Don't would... you hear me screaming? This is not a whisper. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I love this idea of thinking about agency, of also the magic of portraiture in general, right? You know, this is something that both... You know, I think about the opening lines of, you know, Camera Lucida when Roland Barthes talking about looking into the eyes of somebody who who've seen the emperor, you know, talking about, you know, this, this guy that's about to be, I think, Hong or something who uh, looked at Napoleon. And there's mm -hmm. that sort of indexicality, right, that you sort of project yourself into or Benjamin talking about the only place where aura sort of adheres is the face, right? It's totemic. It's like a, there's a kind of a fetish object, right? There is a kind of electricity that you see. And then and then there's a, you know, of course, there's all the power dynamics of who's controlling what and the gaze and who's gazing at what and how is that gaze informed and by experiences and, and who we are and where we come from. Um, 
so it's super interesting to think about like these kind of small gestures, right? Where, you know, you're talking to the sitter and asking them about themselves and thinking about how they want to project, you know, you know, an image of themselves because they're conscious. That's the sort of definition of a portrait, right? That they know they're getting their picture taken. They know that this is, you know, an intimate affair, right? This is something that's, you know, it's a, it's a, a connection, a kind of intimacy, but yet for ultimately public consumption. So again, that's a whirlwind of, of perspectives. But thinking about that gesture, if it sort of exists outside the common sort of register of um, postures um, or formal arrangements of what we typically think of as what a portrait does, mm-hmm. there is a kind of agency. It's a kind of defam- defamiliarization, right? Which is that sort of, you know, famous Russian technique and literature of taking something banal and tweaking it some way so we do stand outside it for a moment um and in that way we do invite the viewer to contemplate that whirlwind of of uh, ideas and such but it is subtle but then the viewer has to as all art works do they require a little bit of work um Mm -hmm. on the viewer um yeah amazing i i want to talk about though so that you talked about that sort of transition uh, between still and moving images, allowing you to get out of the studio. And we are doing, you know, moving type images with the um, porch swing. And I know that you have been doing a lot of video work and exploring that. So tell us what like those things are looking like, how you kind of moved into those spaces. And um, and then we maybe we get into some specifics about the the pieces in the show and on saturday yeah um so i think the first thing that i i think um if we're photographers a lot of times a lot of photographers are interested in um in movies in some ways and it is a you know another form of photography or an extension of photography um and so i was thinking about (laughs) it's kind of um ironic in some ways i was thinking about stillness actually mm-hmm. and um stillness in my images and so in, in my photography and i had talked to a friend and mentor and we were talking about about the idea of um the difference between something being in some ways right in photo in, in a photograph it's frozen and stillness and in some ways right what we're talking about is is um relativity right like uh you know something is is relatively still um in photography i mean in in filmmaking and so in cinema we can slow something down and another thing is um can move quickly and so we get this this spectrum and so i was interested in making these portraits this very similar to what I've been doing in the studio, but making them to where a person would be more still. Um, and and the reason that that was important is because you see, obviously, the same thing that we're interested in portraits, right? We were interested in something, something, someone in some ways having a life, right? And so in filmmaking, we have that inherent movement, the 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 witnessed breath we or um the movement of the environment in 
the film uh, All Is, for instance, the the opening, I think it's the the opening portrait, so to speak, is um, is someone still, but the wind is blowing a tree, you know, and so the branches are moving and they're more still than the branches, you know, um, and so those types of things, I think, give us, you know, I don't know. I think it's interesting to look at, but it's also this idea of this performance. And then that's when we, again, just like with the photographs, um, we're asking ourselves, well, what is this performance that I'm supposed to see? What is this that's going on? Um, but then I get to use audio as another device. Um, and, yeah. and you know, so I think it just, I think it was a natural progression in some ways. You know, if you follow the concept, right? Like, then the concept will take you in, in, you know, unforeseen places. Yeah. If you let it. Right. Um, I think that's super interesting. I think about, you know, the difference between sort of stillness, um, you know, a still picture or whatever. Um, because if in film, that stillness is a choice, right. Mm-hmm. Um, where it is, as a photograph, it's just part of the deal. Right. Um, although you could blur something or whatever, then they could sort of refuse, uh, to be distilled, if you will. I think it's interesting. I think it's akin to the gesture in the studio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. um, where, you know, it does become a conscious idea, you know, the witness, the breath. I thought that was a sort of beautiful phrase. You know, I think we could also see us, we're also positioned in an animated and dynamic world, right? When we're in in space, Um yeah, that's beautiful. As there is going to be three parts, right? It's love in three parts is what the title of the collaboration is called. And all is, I assume then is like the first film. Uh, there's, can you tell us about the the sort of structure? And then we want to get into, you mentioned audio and I want to mm-hmm. talk about um, Xavier's portion and, and such too. So yeah. tell us about the kind of the structure of the, of the program. Yeah. Um, I think um, without necessarily, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's possible to spoil it, so to speak. But um, I think in my mind, it's moving from being um, an individual, a more individuated, and I, and that's not that's not necessarily true. Um, but it it starts with a singular person in some ways, and so I think that that's the that's the first film. Um, and it's a it's a performance piece and um and it's it's me you know going through that so that's the first film um and then the second one um is the first one where we get groups of people but it's interesting because the voice the audio alludes to a, a community in some ways but they're singular voices and so you have to kind of see how the thread of community and togetherness and shared experience work there and then it that film is a series of these kind of still portraits so all is would be the second one and then the third one is called um dance to gather um a lot of my work thinks about or kind of is in is in theoretical conversation with um, the work of, say, Fred Moten and Stefano Harney and other people kind of working in Black studies to where they're thinking about how do you work within these institutions? How do you find um, 
community? How do you how do you fun, how do you also perform community, which I think is really important because in some ways when we think about labor, um, we're thinking about what we do. So there's this performance of community, just like there's a performance of labor. Um, there's a performance of um, of institution. And so um, so I'm very much interested in that. And in some ways, my work is is um, is communal in that space um, because I'm also thinking about the the photograph as an institution, photography itself as an institution. So um, and then in between those short films will be a um, will be a perform will be performances by Xavier, but he's also scoring. I think it's he's scoring either the second or the third one. Um, well, Dance Together is the one that he's scoring, so that may be actually actually I think that. That's the second one. So I, I I lied. So, you know, dance together is the second one. So anyway, it's all good. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's fun to sort of talk about something we haven't quite seen yet um, yeah. as well. So that that's that's awesome. Um, so when I think about love and then also, you know, you've talked about this sort of creating sort of an expansiveness of blackness. Um, mm. So I think about Bell Hooks's you know, ideas and writings about love. So when you say love, what, you know, as part of that title, what are y'all sort of thinking about? And I know you and Xavier are in conversation um, a, a lot. I think the work also is is in conversation. Can So can you talk about that notion of love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, Because we've spoken a lot, I mean, there's a lot of... Um, there, there, there's some privilege going on there because you know it's it's funny how in an interview you have to play coy like you don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, but no, and you know I, I'm I'm really hot on this topic and and um I I I really enjoy talking about it because I feel like it runs counter to a lot of things that a lot of practices in which we engage and so love, um, bell hooks explains is a, is an action. Right. It's not a it's not something that you fall in and out of, um, but it is an action. And I've kind of started to use different types of, you know, language from other things that I've read to kind of um, to explain what that is. And so in some ways, I think about like love doesn't change in some ways as an action. Um but the performance of it changes, right? Or the practice of it, right? So we're in different, we're in different love practices with people. Um, and I've had to kind of understand that because she also talks about this like romantic platonic love. Um, and so the thing is, is that because love becomes so important and central to my work, because the the intent of love is so important, right? And because I think a lot of times we talk about like this falling in and out of love and we just assume all of this stuff um, based off of what we call love, which is end up, which ends up being this kind of amorphous um, and vague, I don't know, like definition. But then in practice, I have no idea what, I don't know how, I don't know what we're doing, um, honestly. And so- <laughs> Um, or what we think we're doing when we when we talk about love. Um, and so um, so intent is really important and intent is always important. I mean, especially with performativity and, and thinking about like even governmental politics and um, where we always 
in order to kind of get what you want, right, in terms of thinking about power in its most simplistic way of, again, getting what you want, then love is saying, okay, well, I'm engaging in this practice with someone or a people, and I am trying to edify, make sure that everyone is edified. And that intent is really what makes love different. And so I'm thinking about that as a as a power, right, as a form of power. Um, what happens when we want everybody to, to be spiritually um, and physically edified, um, what happens when we have that space? And so, and it also allows me to think about a world that's outside of, um, of, of politics, you know, uh, but again, of kind of like the governmental proceedings, um, how is it outside of that? Um, and if we can imagine that, then, you know, then I think that, um, that that makes things a lot better, um, especially as we kind of function and walk through the world. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's right. It's all we can do. And it is, it's a higher purpose without, you know, result, you know, reverting to, um, you know, a sort of, uh, institutional re- religion or something like that. Um, uh, you know, could I, could I, could I um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. To kind of expound though, um, yeah. so that I can create a bridge. So the, the, yeah. the thing was that after kind of looking at bell hooks, it, allowed me to think about even my practice as an artist, right? Like, because I'm working with people, it started making me think about more being, becoming more committed to, okay, well, what is the end game for all of us? You know? And so when I got into the studio, I started really thinking about that. Like we're talking about like the experience of blackness. We're talking about not even, not even explicitly at times. At times we're talking about, we're taking things for granted in our conversations and we're talking about our lives and, you know, in a movie we saw or a song we like, you know, those things are happening in the studio. And so I'm thinking, you know, about the importance of not just, you know, again, that action, but also how does that, how does that permeate other things like gathering. And again, that's, you know, that word gathering is, um, is used by Stefano Horney and Fred Moten in their writings. Um, and so what, how do we gather? What is the importance of gathering? Um, they also use a term called study, right? And that study also is in that space. It happens in gathering. And it's also not something that's forced. And this happens a lot. I mean, I think about you and I, Um, I think about our conversations. I think about, you know, conversations with every, you know, with with a lot of other people, too, where that creates this privileged space. And so love is a spine. It's an it's um, it informs my practice. But also, like, in some ways, I try to um, I try to make sure that that spine carries itself through through my life, which is also, you know, a huge kind of moral task but at the same time i just find that alignment is important and so thinking about love in and out of and and out of my work also um kind of always puts me in this space um and of course i'm not you know it's not always like conversations about love and it's not devoid of of anger in some ways or or rage or whatever but um but it's definitely a standard yeah um uh, beautifully put, yeah. It, it you know it it goes back to the, the very first thing you were talking about. You know these what you you said silly questions. Well, but, you know, but they're these fundamental questions. Like, what are mm-hmm. we doing? 
what yeah. why, what's the <laughs> what's what's the end game here what do yeah. i really want out of this thing you know um mm. you know there's the famous you know em forester quote you know only connect right um yeah. is that's that's the real reason that's the sort of the purpose for why we're here um yeah. in some ways right to not to get too cosmic or what have you but mm. to have an animating force i think you know helps us put one foot in the front of the other when we have so many yeah. um you know obstacles systemic uh you know racial uh, economic and just all the swirl of things that make things look um impossible to sort of navigate if we're trying to create an equitable world where everybody is you know edified and in, in, in whatever manner that they want to be in so it's sort of interesting to think about it as a kind of um a, a hedge against nihilism Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but also firmly within uh, a kind of tradition of pessimism, right? Yeah. Um, Afro-pessimism, for sure. I know something we've talked about with Frank Wilderson's work. Um, I just recently was listening to a podcast about, um, this guy wrote a book called um, Living Well with Pess- Pessimism in the 19th Century, which just <laughs> seems like... It seems like an insane uh, thing to write, like a kind of a yeah. comic thing, but it actually is, was, a co- of course, completely fascinating. Yeah. Um, and and it is the sort of idea that there's a kind of acknowledgement, I think Moten also and, uh, deals with this too, thinking about the undercommons and what mm. have you, is thinking about, yeah, things are not great. We have not set up things in an equitable way, um, but we have to find a way forward we have to find a way to you know live our lives and create more of the world that we want to see so how do we how do we do that and you know then we've created these mechanisms you know thinking about study gathering and all these things you know forming a spine if you will which i thought was beautifully put and where the work your life your family and all this are working hopefully not all the time right because mm-hmm. life is complicated yeah. and we are dynamic people that are flawed yeah. um but in essence we're trying um and in, and there's something sort of beautiful about that mm-hmm. effort about that kind of uh struggle which i do see um in your work in your writing too, because you are doing, you know, writing and collaborating. Um, there's always been a kind of, you know, a dialogue there, thinking about, you know, these bigger pictures, but then how it manifests within these smaller efforts, being our own sort of output. Um, yeah, a um, uh, lot to think about. And but I do want to pivot too, also the the audio. And um, if you could talk a little bit about how you you know, uh, your relationship with Xavier Gilmore. I know you can't really speak to his his art yeah. necessarily, but you can from your perspective, which yeah. is, I think, privileged. Um, yeah. So, and uh, talk about what um, he'll be contributing uh, to the piece and his sort of work in general, if you can give it a context. I mean, one of the things I learned um, as I as I really started to ramp up my art practice because I had all these misconceptions about, you know, how artists lived and, and even myself, I thought my, you know, you think you have these ideas about like what, what you're going to do. And I was, you know, thinking 
I, I had no idea about the the expansive and the expansiveness and depth of of the labor of like existence while arting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so um which is which is you know it's pretty dope to me sometimes when I'm at my most optimistic. Um and so you know when I think about Xavier, I think you know I I remember we met and he's he's younger than me. I don't know if I got 10 years on him. I don't know, but um, but I got some age on him. And um and so we talked about things. A lot of people I run into, and I'm like, oh, you're you know, um, and I'm pretty sure you're the same way where you talk about people, talk to people about, you know, amongst other things, but what you're reading, you know, and you're like, oh shit, you're reading that too. Like, oh yeah, awesome, you know. Um, and that was kind of um our experience and um and i've collaborated with xavier in a lot of things um especially you know photographing him um i've also um he he's a sound artist uh, as well as a painter he's you know interdisciplinary and so he does a lot of things and so he was doing a sound performance which again i wasn't very familiar with until i sat in on one of his performances and um and he does them a lot and they're in and out of you know the the art space of of traditional art spaces which is you know again which is is really not just important but but just dope you know um and so in many you know he's an he's a musician and so um so this collaboration, I mean, we've always collaborated, even on other performance pieces for um, for my work and um, and talked about that. And so that's kind of how we connect is through the things that we read, the interest that we have. We have an interest in survival, which I think, you know, many of us artists do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, how do you survive? How do you and sometimes that creates a certain rage, right? Like, you know, um, I'm mad because it's hard to live, you know, which is you know, which is something that we share in some ways mm -hmm. and, and to different different degrees and different experiences. But at the same time, it's like, you know, um, there are things in our imagination. But at this. Um, so what um, what's going to happen specifically with this particular performance is that there'll be those three films. Um, and then Xavier is going to do improvisational work improvisational sound um performances on um in two intervals um one between the first and the second and then the second between the second and the third film and i think that there'll be approximately um 10 minutes um and so so yeah i mean i think uh, the other thing that I think is dope is just because of his performance, the way that he works, um, I think that it it really grounds the emotions of, um, I'm, at least for me, like, you know, listening to the, I, it's so fascinating to me as a visual person, primarily, <clears throat> to be able to hear, like, in some ways, like, um, I don't know what the term is, Barry, but like, basically, like, seemingly sounds that are not melodic in some ways right yeah, yeah. Um, and how they affect you you know how mm -hmm. like you know a very low frequency can can just shake me to the core but at the same time be something that i find refuge in you know um and so 
So I think I anticipate bringing that there because it's improvisational. You know, y'all are going to have to come and check it out. Just like I'm going to have to check it out because I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what to expect. I just know that yeah. that brings you somewhere, you know, um, and and sometimes unexpected. And sometimes it just it um, it amplifies your your present moment, you know. Um, and so I appreciate that about that work um, and about what he does in that. And so. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I answered your question. But yeah. Yeah, totally. No. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I mean, he does a kind of, you know, kind of a sound processing thing. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about it. And I, you know, I love that idea of thinking about uh, sound as sort of embodied, right? I mean, it's vibrations and, yeah. um, and it is emotional. You know, I think Bernstein said, you know, music or is all eros, right? It's it, mm -hmm. and it really is in some ways you think about that imaginative space that we were talking about, you know, when reading text, well, it's times 100 when you're dealing with, you know, just sound, especially when it's non-narrative, if you will, you know, but doesn't have a story with words in it or what have you. Um, it is really a wash and really plays on that kind of emotional sort of landscape that we carry with us. Um, and, you know, of course, all those sounds, you know, are not neutral right they mm -hmm. they come from cultures and they're um then dispersed in different contexts and take on different lives and so i can't wait to see them intertwine with your imagery and then also be brought to this kind of you know this this space that's not quite a third space um mm -hmm. like you were describing I mean, it is a non-profit space but it is it's unusual where it's mm -hmm. like this concrete structure that's uh looks like a kind of cross between a Nancy uh, Holt sun tunnel and a Donald Judd, but um, yeah. rough. Um, and then, and then of course, animated with electricity with video mm -hmm. projectors and all that. So um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I hope that we can get um, possibly a little sound uh, to include on the podcast from oh, yeah. Xavier. That'd mm -hmm. be amazing. But um we will listen to after our uh, conversation here uh, a bit of audio from one of the three films. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I've been thinking that I, I haven't said, um, although I did say something about time, is that um, as I preface this, is that, you know, when we one of the things that continues to endure my work and I'm continuing to think about is this idea of privileged space and that privileged space within photography has come from compression, right? Um, compression of, of space um, and compression of time. And so um, all is, um, is also this type of, um, I don't know, this, this way of accretion um, where I'm putting things on on top of others, right? And so on one in the one case on all is there is um what you'll see is you'll see those those portraits that I alluded to, these video portraits um of stillness and 
And there's just there's always there's always this movement, which is very interesting in the work it, in, in making the work. I was interested. I was like, wow, there's always a breeze. Like what is going on, you know, and <laughs> to, to kind of juxtapose with people's bodies. You know, how does this happen? Um, and at 24 frames a second, like, you know, it's really interesting thinking about how that cinematic quality that we're looking at is the frames as they're moving across our eyes in some ways. Um, but what I ended up doing was I was thinking about, I was responding to what was happening in the studio. And so what happens in the studio, if you look at some of my photographic work, you'll see, um, you'll see a portrait. But what I started thinking about was the moment, the moments in which the work is made. Um, and the presence in which the work is made. Because a lot of times, like, people would bring their significant others, or they might bring kids, or there might be so much conversation happening in the proverbial wings, so to speak, right? Um, where when the photograph is made, it's in it's in that space, but that space is not necessarily making itself known. Mm. So I was interested in thinking about that space like the importance of this privileged space this thing that can't necessarily be seen when we're working in a medium that is visual and so all is came from thinking about the conversations that happen in opacity in some ways in these opaque places in the wings and so there's this um these intervals of portraits where you see someone in stillness and then that fades out and you have a black screen, right? Um, and there are words of people responding to this unnamed, um, unspecified question. Um, and, and this so, is auditory. It's not like words yeah, being projected on this. Right. That's right. And And not only that, but in keeping with the way that I think about like facts, where as say for instance, the 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 interest in facts would be hearing someone ask a question, right? The details, the description. But I'm issuing that for just the response, right? Which is going to be expressive. And so people are giving their responses to or having conversation kind of assuming that this conversation has been has, is taking place right so the viewer is getting this kind of mid discourse audio um in this black screen and then the portrait comes back and there's silence um there's a little bit of right you see back you hear background noise and stuff like that but um but for the most part, that just adds to context or even adds to the things that are happening outside the sense that the world doesn't end just because you're looking at something in some ways. Right. Um, and so I'm very much interested in that. And that's another thing. That's another, you know, that film excites me. It gives me. Um, it gives me place. It anchors me because that's what I'm trying to think about is. And and in some ways, I think it's. um not to be kind of grandiose or or um or self-important in some ways, but I think that it it progresses things that we've already talked about. Like I think John Zerkowski, right, talks about that, like how 
a photograph is kind of taken out of the context of life. Uh, um, and, um, but then at the same time, like, I think we lose sight of that because our, our own experiences kind of overpower the rest of the world, you know, um, mm -hmm. when we mm -hmm. look at something. And so what I'm saying is, is like, there's all of this, um, all of this other shit that's going on. And then not only that, but our lives, like for me as an artist, it's all this other shit that you're not paying attention to. Um, <laughs> And I'm trying to show y'all that, you know, and I'm, yeah. but I'm also trying to show myself that and remind myself of that too. Um, so, you know, it's almost like art that's also rendering art itself secondary in some ways, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. so it's a battle. Right. It is. Well, that's always the battle, right? It's in mm -hmm. terms of thinking about like, you know, when you are, even if you think about the frame in terms of its sort of larger sort of context, right? What you include and what you exclude, but what mm -hmm. you include is also what you're sort of, you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And um, of course, you know, in, in, in relationship, what you are talking about is also what you are not talking about. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. Um, but, uh, and this is, you know, this sort of modernist myth, right? Uh, which Sarkowski is sort of, you know, a part of, which is he sort of talks against it, but then also privileges this sort of mm -hmm. like window onto the world, which looks like it just happened, right? Yeah, He's, exactly. you know, you've got no fingers in the frame, you've got no, you know, cameras, you know, or what have you. Um, you may have Lee Friedlander's, um, <laughs> um, shadow on the back of somebody. Yeah. But that's about as postmodern, if you will, as that that you get. Although I know that's a phrase that people, you know, feel like it's empty. But yeah. but thinking about you know showing evidence evidence of its own process. But I think you know I think about I think about sort of reveling in that sort of idea of even chance operation, mm. uh, like these conversations that do animate the work and that sort of balance between what you show and what you don't show and how you let the world sort of intrude, if you will, or, or sort of seep into the work in a way that um, is expansive, right? Um, and, you know, with Porch Swing Orchestra to make a humble sort of comparison, you know, we're playing outside on the porch mm -hmm. and the air conditioner comes on. Uh, we've got a space heater in here that we may or may not hear on my side of things. And it's just the way it goes. The world is not a hermetically sealed studio um, that is perfect. Um, and it's sort of lovely that way um, um, and frustrating. Um, but also that's what we're here for is taking those pieces and sort of playing along um, and finding our place within them um, to make a kind of, I don't know, a kind of lattice work that is ephemeral, that gives yeah. us a kind of structure in which to navigate our sort of lives and, 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 and put, again, one foot forward. Well, you know, um, one thing I just, you know, sort of to wrap up, um, you know, you sent me a, a lovely little description mm. of of the piece that we'll use for you know uh promotion and such um i should also mention that we'll put in the show notes links to of course the collab thing but also anthony's um your website and also xavier's so if y'all want to look at more of uh, the work and also see some of the things that we've talked about uh, you can see those there but at the end, you says, as always, you have to find your way in. Yeah. 
And um, I'd like to, I'd love you to sort of expand on that um, as we sort of draw to a close. How do we find our way into um, this work or the group? Yeah, Um, I think it's just, you know, that in some ways is that, I think it's almost like a a tautology, right? Like in the sense that um, we always do. You know, so I'm I'm pointing to something that we always do in um in the sense that we always bring ourselves to a reading of of a work of art. But at the same time, I think that um I'm maybe I'm thinking about Eric Glisson where he talks about the right to opacity. And so it's this idea that if you at first can't seem to gain access to something then start where you can start Mm. with the tools that you have um which are your experiences you know um there can always be conversations but but that access cannot be given and um and in some ways in many ways it shouldn't especially as an artist you know if i'm working in expression then i'm also transmitting um deliberately right Mm. and Mm. so with that being said, it's the same way. Um, it reminds me of um, I forgot. I think it's the director of of the Korean movie Parasite. How mm. he was talking about how um, basically he made a comment during the award ceremony where he was talking about how if people could just get past subtitles, they, they they'd run into a lot of good films, you know. Um, <laughs> and and that's exactly that's exactly what it is, right? It's it's. You know, and in that case, in some ways, there's a um, there's some decoding that's provided in subtitles. Right. Whereas I'm saying that, you know, you you don't necessarily have to decode as much as you can, again, gain access through what it is that you have. Um, And so I think that that's just it's really important to kind of. Of course, it's a poetic comment in some ways. Right. Like because, you know, finding your way in is also, it also reminds me of like, um, if somebody knows you're coming, they leave the door unlocked, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think, I actually do try to do that in the sense that I'm an artist, I use, I express, I transmit an expression. And that expression in some ways, while not necessarily universal, we're all using the same tools, you mm-hmm. know? And so those tools, um are there for everybody you know and i think that that's that's what i'm trying to say is that you you got tools you got the same damn tools i'm using you know so use them we're just we're just trying to put words together to make sense right yeah and and find each other and and try to expand our venn diagrams a little bit have a little bit more overlap sure Um, you know um well i love that that idea and i think also you know within a kind of art space too we also want to more prosaically invite people to come into the space um in in on saturday night and um uh we'll even have i think we'll have some hot chocolate on on uh on tap um not on tap that would be amazing that, yeah, would be tap, that, but we'll that would, yeah. i don't even know the mechanics of that how do you, know, you keep something warm and put it on tap but i'm for yeah, it yeah it's it's actually yeah it's just a fantasy but um uh, <laughs> anyway uh such a pleasure anthony to to talk about your work and i'm so excited that that we get to get together um and 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 put this thing on 
just as a reminder, uh, Anthony and Xavier will start their presentation at at 8 p.m. at OLAB Projects in Austin, and you can get tickets at olabprojects.org, that's C-O hyphen labprojects, one word, dot org. And um, we'll talk soon. Thanks. I feel happy and joyful and loved and funny. Our experience in blackness and how that looks sometimes radically different for each and every black person. It causes people to have a sense of belonging. It's everything that I am and it's everything that I stand for, I think. Um, you know. Uh, we move, we dance, we feel, we absorb, um, we express, we carry, we shift, we settle, we change, we grow, evolve. In order to reflect, in order to grieve. In that process, you find peace. peace. In that process, you find joy. Happy, I guess. Yeah. A sense of safety, because like I'm surrounded by them. Collectively, I think that care really fuels me and reminds me of how connected that we are as a people. And because it makes us feel safe. It's a, it's a ball of joy for me. It brings joy, it brings comfort, it brings some more wisdom as well, because you can learn and you can, you know, rely on it. It makes me feel warm. It looks like a text on a hard day. It makes me feel understood. It makes me feel accepted. It's like a hug after not seeing someone. It makes me feel... In that process, there's 
maybe also some hard times that makes you reflect. So it's it's just a subtle reminders of what black joy feels like, what it looks like, um, sometimes what it tastes like. Um, I think it makes me feel a lot of different things. And then come back together and meet one another in a space of, of, of mutual healing. Um, the energy is great. And I just enjoy being around all my loved ones. I think the biggest overall thing that we explore in our community is, is curiosity. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for having it there for me, you know. Um.
Thanks for listening to the Fort Swing Orchestra podcast. We just heard Xavier Gilmore's Between the Lines. Don't forget to get your tickets at collabprojects.org. That's co-labprojects.org to see their collaboration, Love, in three parts as a part of Vast as a Sea at Collab Projects. Fort Swing Orchestra will have a live event directly after starting around 9 p.m. That's January 20th, Saturday at Collab Projects in Austin. Hope to see you there.